Okay, so today's daf is Tzadi in Psachim. We are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines from the bottom, which is really the second wide line, second wide line at the bottom of the, uh, towards the bottom of the uh, moon. And uh, where it says, Tanu Rabbanan, Hamimane Achirim Imal Pischom, Vial Chagigato, Maot Shibiado Chulin. So it says, if a person includes other people in their Koban Pesach, so they get paid, like we've talked about, you know, they get, they get money for that in exchange for the, um, for the friends or the associates joining the Pesach. That money is chulin, which is going to be problematic from the perspective of the Gemara in a second. If a person has an olaur shlamim and they decide to sell it, let somebody else deal with the problem of having to offer it and schlep it to Yerushalayim or whatever, they decide to sell it. So, lo asavilokloom. Nothing happens, meaning it doesn't actually work. And the money that's paid to him, in other words, let's say this guy Reuven wants to sell his Ola to Shimon. He doesn't feel like bringing it. He says, you know what? You want to bring an Ola? Here's a mitzvah for you. Pay me money. Pay me 50 bucks. I'll let you take my Ola to, uh, to Yerushalayim. It doesn't work. In other words, it doesn't really give Shimon a mitzvah that he uh, paid for this uh, korban because he's not really, you're not really allowed to pay for uh, a korban that's already holy. But the money that Rovin received for that korban actually becomes Kodesh. So he can't return the money to Shimon because now it became Kodesh and he has to give it to the Beit HaMikdash. So, the, so there's going to be a problem with that. And, and the Gemara first jumps on that. So since it accomplishes nothing, so we know that the way Kiddushah works in Halakha is it always has to be transferred from object to object through something. And something unconsecrated can become consecrated. Something consecrated can transfer its Kiddushah into something unconsecrated and lose its status. But you can't just say that nothing happened but the money became consecrated. Where, where did it come from? Where did the consecration come from? So the answer is, it's really a knas. It's a penalty that they placed on the person for like doing commerce with korbanot. It's not a kosher thing to do. Oh my kolshehen. Why does it say whatever the money is, it becomes kodesh? Because afal gav de lo havu shavu ela arba v'yavu lechamisha. In other words, Shimon can say, listen, I understand. I didn't, I paid 50 bucks for the, uh, for this Ola, but really it was only 40 bucks. You're supposed to give me $10 back. So at least give me the $10 back. And I understand 40 of it that would have corresponded to the original Ola that I was trying to buy. That's going to be Kodesh, but to give me my 10 back. No, whatever he paid, even though he paid in excess of the actual price and market value of that animal, he still is going to be, uh, he's still going to, it's all going to go lindava as part of the knas. So, uh, so, Amar uh, Ula Ula said, oh, so this is a new piece. So the point is that, that, that was the, um, that was the knas that they made. And Rashi says that, they, that here they actually put the knas, interestingly, on the buyer and not on the seller. Because if there's no market for korbanot, for, you know, black market for uh, buying uh, consecrated korbanot, so then the person who wanted to sell it wouldn't be able to sell it. So we blame the buyer, who is the active party, is viewed as the active party here. We don't blame the seller, which is interesting. Um, Rashi points that out. Now, we get to, we get more directly to the issue that is raised by this Braita for our halachot, which are the halachot of Pesach. So just to be, give a very simple breakdown of what the question is going, what's the issue at hand? Very simply, the issue at hand is this. If I have a Korban Pesach, so I can have other people join onto it. And those people will pay money to me to join my Korban Pesach and then they become registered. So let's say I go and I purchase a Korban Pesach and then I get five other guys and they each of them pay one sixth of the, 
value. And so the six of us have a Korban Pesach together, or the five, if there's four people, the five of us, whatever. So those people who pay, the question is, that money, it just said, doesn't become holy. I can take it. Meaning I went and I bought the Korban Pesach, and then I received money from four other people. So now we're five, let's say. So that money from those four other people is chulin. I can, I can go and uh, buy whatever I want with that money. I don't have to uh, consider it sacred money. So the question is, how does it work here? Is it that the money, and, and that's even though the people consecrated that money to purchase a Korban Pesach initially. So they're giving me money that they consecrated, and it's becoming deconsecrated when I receive it. So the question is, why does that happen? Something has to, has to give, like the, the Kiddushah cannot disappear from the money. So there are two possibilities that Gemara is going to entertain. Possibility number one is that when you consecrate a Korban Pesach, since you know there are going to be other registrants on the Korban, so the, the Kiddushah that you endow, uh, with which you endow the Korban Pesach, is not a full Kiddushah. It's like leaves room, so to speak. It's a partial Kiddushah because you know that others are going to also participate. And therefore, when they give me the money, they are like completing the picture of the consecration of the uh, Korban Pesach, and that's why the money loses its Kiddushah. That's one interpretation of how it would work, that the Korban Pesach is not fully consecrated uh, until everyone has paid in, and that's where the Kiddushah of the money goes. Another possibility is that when a person consecrates money for the Korban Pesach, they consecrate it with the intent that they may end up just signing up for a pre-consecrated Korban Pesach, in which case this money won't need to be consecrated. So the consecration of the money is actually conditional because the person who consecrated the money said, if I buy a Korban Pesach myself, then it will be consecrating the Korban Pesach with this money. And if I, if I join with somebody else, I won't need to have any consecration of the Korban Pesach because it will already be done. I'll just be joining it. And that's why if I receive the money from other participants in my Korban Pesach, that money doesn't have Kiddushah because the person who initially consecrated it only consecrated it on the condition that they were going to buy a totally new Korban Pesach. But they understood that if they ended up finding a pre, uh, you know, pre-existent Korban Pesach to join, that they would not have to uh, have consecrated money to begin with. So that's the question. Is, it, is the reason why the money that changes hands when somebody joins a Korban Pesach, loses its Kiddushah, is that because the Korban Pesach actually is absorbing that Kiddushah because the Korban Pesach itself wasn't completely holy without all the participants involved? Or is it because the money was never fully consecrated to begin with and therefore as soon as it comes into the hands of the person who is the organizer, uh, it just reverts to being chulin. It never really was holy to begin with. That's the question. Now, uh, and, and that's what we're going to discuss here. So, Amar Ula Ula said, so, uh, so it says that Ula said, and some say it was Rav Oshaya asked, is, do, do our colleagues, our Babylonian colleagues, have an answer to the following question? That, um, that, How could it be that the money that this guy consecrated for his Korban Pesach, he comes and he joins in with another guy's Korban Pesach, where did the Kiddushah of the money go? The, 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 the Korban Pesach was already holy and the money was holy. So where did the Kiddushah of the money go? So we just mentioned there are two ways to explain it. But he's asking the question, right? So it says, The money that comes into the hands of the organizer of this Korban Pesach becomes chulim. But how? how did, where'd the money, where'd the Kiddushah go? If the money was holy and the, and the sheep was holy, there's nowhere for the Kiddushah to go. So Amar Abaye, Abaye says, 
And here's an interesting Gemara where we have uh, a situation where the Gemara is going to use, like Abaye is basically going to refer to a Gemara that hasn't been mentioned yet, only later to mention it. So it's going to be a little bit confusing. And there's different ways to go about trying to read it. But let's just see if we can read it and get to when the Gemara brings what Abaye is going to refer to. It says, So what this is saying and this is actually from Masechet Temurah that we learned a million years ago, okay, that if a person includes, and we know that there's an idea of etnan zonai, you're not allowed to use the payment of a prostitute as a korban. You pay a, if you pay the prostitute with a sheep, that sheep cannot then be used as a korban, as any kind of a korban. So the question is, what if a prostitute, you, instead of, it, instead of uh, uh, giving her a sheep, for the payment, he says, why don't you join my Korban Pesach? This is a very pious prostitute that makes sure to join in a Korban Pesach. So he says to her, and he's a very pious guy, making sure to have a Korban Pesach too. But he says, I want to make sure that I pay you. So therefore, I'm going to, uh, uh, instead of giving you a sheep, I'm just going to invite you to join my Korban Pesach. zonal Okay, and uh, what it says is that there's a special pasuk to, a, to say that that will not make the whole Korban Pesach considered et nanzona. It won't change the status of the Korban Pesach. Everybody agrees that if you give a Korban that's already consecrated to the prostitute, that doesn't make the Korban invalid because it didn't really belong to the person who gave it. It didn't really belong to him to begin with it. It was already consecrated. So we don't need, so later there was a pasuk. A pasuk is brought in the Gemara to show that, uh, that if you give an already consecrated korban to the prostitute, it doesn't become pasul from that. But the question is, why would you even think it was pasul? Why would you ever consider that it would be pasul? It's already, it doesn't belong to you. The answer is, we're talking about bimimaneh. Uh, that the person included her in his Korban Pesach, where you might think that because she's actually gaining something, she's getting uh, rights to this Korban Pesach. So therefore, um, the, you might think that that affects it and makes it etnanzona, makes it the payment of a prostitute. So the... Um, and it's the opinion of Rabbi. Rabbi is the one who says that really the Pesach is, as we're going to see later, Mamon Balim. The person who organizes it and receives all the money from the participants in the Korban Pesach is allowed to do whatever he wants with that money. That money has no Kedusha at all. Right? So the Chidush is that even though that money that he receives doesn't have any Kedusha at all, and therefore seemingly the prostitute is by giving her money towards the Korban Pesach, giving it some, like adding something to it. Like actually she's getting, the fact that you're, you're paying her with that portion of the Korban Pesach should really be in some way affecting the status of the Korban Pesach as it's becoming like your payment of your debt to her. Still, um, it, it, the special pasuk comes to say that she won't ruin the Korban Pesach. So he says, if it were not for that, halacha, Okay, then he said, Then I would have just said that when does, what is the Pasuk telling you when it comes to payment of a prostitute? It's telling you about Okay, and so he says, So he says, what I would have said, Abaye is telling you, what I would have said was that when is it a big chidush 
that a pre-consecrated korban that's given to a prostitute doesn't become pasul, when it's kodashim kalim, ashlamim, maaser, something that really mostly is eaten by the owners anyway. Because you could argue that that korban really belongs mainly to the owners and you just give a part of it to the Bet HaMikdash, you give the part that goes on the Mizbech, but really belongs to the owners, Mamon Balim. So the fact that if I give that Shlamim or something to the prostitute, it doesn't make it a Etnan Zona. It doesn't disqualify it, that's a Chidush, because really it did belong to me and I'm giving it to her, right? So I would have said that's what the Pasuk is coming to tell you. And what is the real reason why when a registrant for a Pesach um, gives their money, it becomes chulin, uh, and it doesn't, it's because, not because the Korban Pesach, the Kiddushav, the Korban Pesach is lacking, and this person, when he registers the Kiddushav, his money is transferred to the Korban Pesach. No, I would say the reason is because the money from the beginning was only consecrated by the person with a condition. If I find the Korban Pesach that's already created, I'll just join it. And then this money won't be holy. I'll just pay for my meal. And if the, if I don't find one that's already consecrated, so then I'll consecrate it with the money. So it was a conditional consecration. In other words, Abaye is saying, I prefer the idea that the money had conditional Kiddushah, not absolute Kiddushah. And that's why when people register on a Korban Pesach, there's no need to remove holiness from the money because from the beginning, the person knew that if they found the pre-existent Korban Pesach, they wouldn't have to consecrate the money. That's what Abaye uh, would prefer. But he said, but since we see that Rabbi Oshaya said that no, that um, it's a big chidush, that if the prostitute is paid by being invited to join the Korban Pesach, it doesn't make a in, invalidation in the Pesach, that shows you that obviously her participation is considered in some way to complete the Kiddushah of the Korban Pesach, and yet it still doesn't affect the Korban Pesach. So obviously it's saying that somehow she is completing the Korban Pesach, that people who join and give their money are completing the Kiddushah of the Korban Pesach and that normally that's how it works. Consecrated money is deconsecrated by registering on the Korban Pesach because each person, each of the five people are partially consecrating the Korban Pesach. That must be how it works. Right, so that's what he says. And, and therefore, what happens when the person sets aside money, it, it's, it's actually fully holy, according to that. Now it says, we're skipping the parentheses, right? And when it comes to money, so he says, a person will leave over. This is Abaye's view, that he wants to believe that really a person would normally leave the money and not consecrate it, meaning conditionally consecrated. I wouldn't have gone with Rabbi Oshaya's interpretation that a person consecrates a Korban Pesach only partially, so to speak. And that when the other registrants come, they complete the Kiddushah of the Korban Pesach. I wouldn't have agreed with that. I would have said that a person doesn't leave it uh, in, uh, unconsecrated, they leave the money conditionally consecrated. That's what happens. Right? And skipping the parentheses again, Now we can't understand the halacha here, that when the person registers for the Korban Pesach and gives money, that the money is deconsecrated, we can't understand that according to Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi is of the opinion that all Kodashim Kalim really belong to the owner. 
So therefore, if I register in a Korban Pesach or any other one of the Kodashim Kalim, I'm really just paying the owner because he has full proprietary rights. It can't be Rabbi Yossi because the Hatani Ba Vamocher Olato Ushlamav Lo Asavilo Klum. Because it says in that same Brita that we saw before that if you sell a Korban Shalamim, it doesn't effectuate anything. Now, according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, you should be able to sell a Korban Shlamim. Why? Because a Korban Shlamim 100% belongs to you. So we see that that Brita that's saying on the one hand, money that you give to register on a Korban Pesach becomes deconsecrated, right? So that can't be, that can't be or is, is not consecrated, let's put it that way. That can't be because the Korban Pesach belongs to the owner who's organizing the, uh, the meal and therefore he can just take the money and do whatever he wants because then it would say that if he sells a Shlamim also, he could just take the money and do whatever he wants because allowed to sell a Shlamim belongs to him. Rather, you see that it must be, like Rabbi Oshaya says, Vashta, the Okumei Rabbi Oshaya, that we see from it, this is actually very long-winded, and I suspect that there's probably some, uh, and you can see there's even parentheses here and so on. There's probably some manuscript issues in this Gemara because it seems a very long-winded way to make a very simple point. The very simple point that Abaye is trying to make is that from what Rabbi Oshaya says, you see that when a person consecrates the Korban Pesach, they, so to speak, leave space in the Kedushah for other registrants to come in. When those registrants come in and give their holy money, it's deconsecrated because the, the Kedushah of that money goes on to the Korban Pesach. Not the other way around, that the money is conditionally consecrated and, the, uh, and, and it's the Korban Pesach that's fully consecrated. And since I found the Korban Pesach that's fully consecrated and I can join it just by paying the owner... That's a separate deal that I'm making on the side. It's not really, it has nothing to do with Kedushah at all. That's the way Abaye wanted to interpret it. So the bottom line is that you see that the Korban itself is completed in its Kedushah by the people joining it. And that's why it's such a Chidush that the prostitute joining it isn't considered etnan zonat. It's not considered her payment. Okay, now, now the Gemara decides to explain what's the context of this. Okay, Ma, so th- this whole thing, Ma'ihi di Rabbi Oshaya. What is this whole story of Rabbi Oshaya, all of that you're referring to the whole time that you're expecting us to know? That's not, we learned it in a Mishnah. And this Mishnah actually is in Tmurah, we learned it before, many, many moons ago. Natan la mukdashin bet If you gave the prostitute actual korban that was already consecrated as a payment, that doesn't become pasul from giving it because it was already consecrated. So you can't change the status to become her payment. Actually, you can't really use it as a payment because it belongs to God already. On the other hand, if you give her birds as the, as the payment and, she, and now those birds they want to use as a korban, it won't be good. So, because you might have had the following argument. Because if you might have said as follows, when it comes to a korban that's already consecrated, where we know that the rule is that if it has a mum, it will become pasul. If a, if a korban has a mum, it will become pasul. And yet, giving it as a payment to the prostitute doesn't change the status. So, when it comes to ofot, we know that bird korbanot have very limited uh, types of uh, defects that will make them invalid. So, over there where a mum is not posel, you might think that birds will be exempt from the rule of etnan zona because it's a type of a mum that you gave it as a, uh, you gave it as a, as a, as a payment to the prostitute as a type of, type of a moment. Since it's a bird, maybe that it won't, it won't affect it. And even if afterwards you want to consecrate it as a korban, maybe it'll be okay. Talmud Lamar. 
Lechol neder. That's why it says for any offering that you're that you're committing to, you cannot uh, get, use something that was used to pay a prostitute. Lerabot taufot, which comes to include birds, and certainly other animals. So, so, the, so if that's the case. So that, so then you should say because you might say the other way. Then, right? You should be able to argue from that that even a pre-existing korban should be able to become invalid by being given to a prostitute. Why? Because because if birds that are not subject to the rule of mum in general, but uh, if they're given as a payment to a prostitute, they will become invalid as a korban. So mukdashin shamum why wouldn't we consider the fact that you gave it as a payment to the prostitute even though it was already consecrated we should consider it like a mum and it shouldn't be good so that's what it's coming to say that uh, that comes to exclude something that was already consecrated because it says you cannot use it for any obligation meaning where you're going to consecrate it but if it was already consecrated the fact that you gave it to her doesn't change the fact that it was consecrated it really just wasn't yours right right because so it says the fact that you need a pasuk to tell you that a an already consecrated korban will not become defective from being given to the prostitute shows you that you need a pasuk for that implying that if you didn't have the pasuk you would think that it would invalidate it but but how can a person prohibit something that doesn't belong to him in other words once the korban is consecrated it already belongs to God so what's the, you can't give it to somebody as a gift or as a payment Doesn't even you didn't even do anything legally to give it to her so how could it become invalid the answer is right this is what this is where the, what Abaye was originally referring to so we took like almost the whole Amud just to get back around to what Abaye was originally referring to, which was this discussion that he said the chidush of the pasuk that we learned from the pasuk is that not that obviously if something was already consecrated and you gave it to the prostitute, it won't become invalid because it didn't belong to you to begin with. But what if you have a korban pesach and you say, you know what, in payment for your services, I'm going to include you on my korban pesach, that's the payment. So there, even there we say, since the it's not the, the the korban is not in its totality being given to her as a payment, but she's just getting an opportunity to eat some of it and participate in it, so that won't invalidate the korban, right? And it's and it's following Rabbi. What does Rabbi have to do with it? For Rabbi. If Rabbi, it's Rabbi, my Rabbi. What, what opinion of Rabbi are we talking about? It says, if the family cannot afford or wouldn't be able to eat an entire goat or sheep. So then what does it mean? Meaning that a person who receives money from people, in other words, what happens? A person can't afford to buy a Korban Pesach on his own. So he goes to his neighbors and says, let's make a collection and do it together. Whoever's organizing and receiving the money, it says he can also organize and re- receive the money to use to do anything that's necessary for the korban itself, the wood or any of the other things. Not only directly the korban, but it could be anything necessary to prepare the korban pesach, but not for his own money. Meaning he can't say he can't take the money people give him and use it to go. Uh, by other things, but he can take the money that they give him and use it for anything related to the Korban Pesach. Rebi Omer Av even if he wants to go and purchase other things, like she says, even Schorai wants to go buy, uh, uh, buy some other, uh, you know, uh, merchandise with it, it's fine, the money is his. He's letting them join his Korban Pesach, he's allowed to use the money. Right, she'im en lo, right, so then, memane acher al pescho, vel chagigato, umaot riadocholin. If he doesn't have enough money, he wants to buy something in the market for, you know, a commercial opportunity that he has. 
Okay? And, um, and therefore he, uh, he can go and say, you know what? It, I'm going to make this profitable, this Korban Pesach. I'm going to invite a lot of people in charge of money and I'm going to use the money. He's allowed to do that. No problem. This was the condition on which the Jewish people consecrated their psachim, uh, meaning that they said that they could, they could use it prefer, even for profit. The guy wants to involve other people in his Korban Pesach so that he can take the money and go do whatever business he wants. It's fine. According to Rabbi, it's fine. So what does it mean? It means Rabbi Oshaya is saying that since we hold that really the person who receives the money for the Korban Pesach can do whatever he wants with it, and he's inviting this prostitute that he owes money to to come for free and join the Korban Pesach, it is as if he's basically giving her a gift because really he's allowed to keep that money for himself if he wants to. The Korban Pesach is totally, is to, totally uh, you know, uh, consecrated in and of itself. He's taking the money. The money is chulin, which means he can do whatever he wants with that money technically. And he's, not, and he's letting her go for free. So he's basically giving her that favor. So you might have thought because he's doing that and he's allowing her to join the Korban Pesach, that would really literally be like paying for her to be on the Korban Pesach and it should affect the status of the Korban and it does not. That's the chidush of Rabbi, Rabbi Oshai is saying that we don't say that that is posel the Korban. It doesn't invalidate the Korban that, um, that she joins uh, that, that he invites her to join in it for free as payment, okay? Now, Rabban and Rabbi Rabban Rabbi Zera argue about the argument of Rabbi and the Chachamim. Chadam Arbei Tzim Letzleto Kolei Alba Lo Poligi Dekeva Tetakanta Bezachu Kigufat Bezach Damek Keep Ligi B'Matzau Maror that the first one, we don't know which, who said what because it says one, they, they argued, we don't know who said what but the argument was like this, that according to the first view, both the Rebbe and the Chachamim agree that any money, if you want to use part of the proceeds from the registration on the Pesach to buy wood to, to roast the Pesach, for sure it's okay. Everybody agrees with that because that's actually part of the, of the um, expenses of the Korban Pesach. The question is about Matzan Maror. That the rabbis say that's a different thing, eating matzan maror. You can't use it for the rest of the seder needs. And Rabbi says, no, since that money, since eating a matzan maror is part of the mitzvah of the seder, so you can also use the money for that. That's the first opinion. That's the more conservative interpretation of Rabbi. That even Rabbi is not saying that you can go and buy game stock, GameStop stock with, your, uh, with the money that you uh, received from the Kompezach. Uh, but he's saying that you can, uh, you can buy things for the Sedit. Right? But the other interpretation is, The more liberal view of their, inter- of their machloket is that, no, even the Chachamim agree that you can get anything for the seder with that money. The proceeds can go to anything. Anything at the seder is connected to the Pesach. If you want to go buy a nice suit, you want to go buy a new shirt with the money that you received from people registering on your Korban Pesach. According to the rabbis, it has to have something to do with the Korban Pesach, what you do with that money. It has to be tied to the mitzvah. Rabbi says, let yourself live with the, with the goat. In other words, you have the opportunity to take that money and use the profit for whatever you want. So according to that, when you invite somebody on for free, you're literally giving them your money because there's, they have, they, you have a right to take that money and do whatever you want with it. And the fact that you're granting that prostitute the right to join in the Korban Pesach, you're paying her with that. And so therefore you might think that that would uh, invalidate the Korban Pesach and it does not. But that's, that's what this entire Amud was just to get to this point. That basically uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Oshaya is saying that Rabbi would say 
that, um, that uh, if you invite this prostitute onto your Korban Pesach, since basically the money would have completely gone to you if she were to pay for it, and you're letting it go for free, that's still not considered etnan zonah. It doesn't change the status of the Korban Pesach to be, um, to be uh, uh, invalid in any way. And so according to this, though, you see that the money that you receive is chulin from the beginning, right? The money that you receive is chulin. And um, the implication is that that Korban Pesach, in other words, the person who came to join the Korban Pesach, their money was actually Kodesh when they came. It was holy. When they gave it to you, it completed the Kedushah of the Korban Pesach. Otherwise, what would the Chidu, if you just consecrated the Korban Pesach already, and then you let the prostitute join for a charging her, without charging her money, that would have nothing to do with the Korban Pesach. The fact that it completes the Kiddushah of the Korban Pesach. If she were to give the money, it would have completed the Korban Pesach um, Kiddushah. And instead, you're granting her the favor of being able to join is what completes the Kiddushah of the Korban Pesach. Basically, it's a mechilah. You're letting her go, uh, the debt. That's what creates the Kiddushah. So you, and yet it doesn't invalidate the Korban. But that's based on the concept that when people register, each person who's registering is basically completing a, a, a chelek of the Korban, a, a, a component of the Korban. And therefore their holy money that they consecrated for Korban Pesach is being deconsecrated when they give it to you because it's investing Kiddushah in the, uh, in the Korban itself. That's how it works. Not that the money was never really holy. Right? What about the fact that Abaye, Abaye didn't like this. He said, I would have preferred to say that actually the way that it works is that when people consecrate the money, they don't really intend to consecrate their money completely because they know they might be able to join on a pre-existent Pesach. And therefore, the money never really was fully holy when they handed it over. But the Korban Pesach was 100% holy from the beginning. I didn't complete the holiness of the Korban Pesach when I registered on it. Whoever initially took that Korban Pesach and consecrated it completely gave it Kiddushah. My money didn't give the Kiddushah. So where did the, where did the Kiddushah and my money go? It was never fully vested with Kiddushah because I knew that I might not need to consecrate a Korban Pesach. That's what Abaye wanted to say. And he wanted to say that the Kiddush about the Zona is that giving her Kodashim Kalim, giving her even Korban Shlamim, which according to Rabbi Yosei Aglili belongs completely to the owner, even that won't change the status of the, uh, of the Korban Shlamim into being considered a payment of a prostitute. That was the, that's how Abaye would have interpreted it. Okay? But not anything about the Korban Pesach because you don't limit the Kiddushah of the Korban Pesach when you consecrate it. It's fully consecrated. The people who join, just join. Okay, that's the, they're not actually adding to the Kedusha. That's what Abayim want to say, but the only thing is, according to that, Hakatani behed yashal menat kene Kedusha yisrael pischehen. Didn't, uh, didn't Rabbi say, al menat kene Kedusha yisrael pischehen. It was on this condition that the Jewish people consecrate their Pesach, meaning that they leave room for the su- subsequent people who register to complete the Kedusha. It's saying that the, uh, that the actual Korban is not fully Kadosh. There's no Emma shall menatke nikdushusel maot pischehen. So Abaye would just would just slightly correct that and say it doesn't mean that the korban pesach that the consecration of the korban pesach is only partial. It means that the consecration of the money isn't complete um, because the person knows that it's only on condition, and that's the conclusion of the Gemara that basically it is that the korban pesach is is completed in its kedushah by the people registering, and that's where the Kiddushah of their money goes. It goes into that Korban Pesach. Now the Mishnah says, 
שלא. שאומרת יום כנגד יום שוחטין עליה בשני שלה, ראתה שני ימים שוחטין עליה בשלישי, ואז דבר שוחטין עליה בשמיני. So this mishnah, based on everything that we already know, uh, makes perfect sense, but I'll just review it quickly. So a person who's a zav, if he sees one sighting of, of ziva, he becomes a balkeri, basically, one day tuma. If he sees two sightings of ziva, he has to wait seven clean days, but he doesn't have to bring a korban. So that means that the seventh clean day is his last day. He's all done at the end of that seventh clean day. So therefore, if, his seventh clean day, if a person had a, had a seven clean day, and on the seventh clean day, he knows that night he's going to be ready and tahor, he can go to the mikveh that seventh clean day, and by that night he'd be able to eat the korban Pesach. So we can bring the korban Pesach for him, even though his seventh day is Erev Pesach. Okay, if his eighth day, if he had three riyot, he had three sightings of ziva, so then he has to not only bring, uh, not only wait seven clean days, but he also has to bring a korban on the eighth day. So because he has to bring a korban on the eighth day, so we, we can only do the korban Pesach for him if it's the eighth day is Erev Pesach. If it's the seventh day, it's too soon because he won't be able to eat from the korban that night. He needs the eighth day to bring his korban. And similarly, Shomeret Yom Keneged Yom is a woman who sees blood one day after her nida. So, <clears throat> meaning during the Yemei Ziva, the 11 days after the nida, where if she sees for one day, she just has to keep one clean day. If she sees the second day, also one clean day. But then three days, now she has to wait seven clean days. So in that case, if she's Shomeret Yom Keneged Yom, that she's waiting only one day, right? Or she's waiting two days because she saw blood two days. So whatever is her clean day, if that happens to be Erev Pesach, you can slaughter the Korban Pesach for her and that night she'll be able to eat it. However, if she's a Zava, meaning she had three full, uh, you know, she had three days of uh, seeing dam, seeing blood. So now she needs seven clean days. And after the seven clean days on the eighth day, she has to bring a Korban. So therefore you're going to have to wait un- until the eighth day for uh, for her to be able to eat the Korban Pesach, the eighth day at night, she'll be able to eat the Korban Pesach. So if her eighth day falls on uh, Erev Pesach, you can bring the Korban Pesach for her, and that night she'll be able to eat it. That's basically what the Mishnah says. Now, that if a person is a Tvulyom, they are Tamei, and they went to the Mikveh already that day, and by that night they will be Tahor. You can bring the Korban Pesach for them on that day. Um Chusar Kippurim. Even a person who is up to the day that they've done all of their purification process, all they're missing is the korban that they have to bring. That individual, you are allowed to bring the, to the korban Pesach on their behalf because by that night, they'll be good. However, But a person who is temesheretz, who has not gone to the mikveh yet, you may not bring a korban Pesach for them. Rav says, I'm sorry, Ula says rather, Right? He says even at temesheretz. Now, on the surface, Ula makes more sense. Because if today is my last day of being a Zav, and tonight I'm going to be good, right? If today is my last day of, uh, it's, it's a, I mean, I, I'm a Tevul Yom. That means I went to the Mikveh already, and by tonight I'm going to be good. Or I'm Mechusar Kippurim. I brought my Korbanot, or I'm bringing them today, and by tonight I'm going to be good. What's the difference between that and Tamei Sheretz? Tamei Sheretz can also go to the Mikveh today and be good tonight. So what's the problem? So Ula's, so the question is, the Rav, my Shina Tevul Yom, What's the difference? If a guy went to the mikveh already for any tum'ah and he's going to be good tonight, what's the difference between that and a tumay sheretz? A person who touched a dead sheretz that day, he'll go to the mikveh, he'll be good tonight. What's the problem? What's the difference? Right, you'll say he's mechusar tevila. So tevul yom nami mechusar erev shemesh. You'll say, well, the guy who, had, who touched a sheretz, he hasn't gone to the mikveh yet. 
So I can't bring the Korban Pesach for him. He still has to go to the Mikveh. So yeah, but a guy, even if he went to the Mikveh, he has to wait till the night time. He's not going to be Tahor till the night time. So they both have something holding them back from being Tahor. Yeah, but Shimsham Memela Arva. The sun comes down by itself. But, right, so, but the Tevilah, he has to do it. So maybe because there's something he hasn't done yet, so since he hasn't done it yet, we'll say he's, we can't bring the Korban Pesach for him because he hasn't done his obligation of going to the Mikveh yet. But a person who went to the Mikveh already and it's going to be that night that they're going to be t- automatically Tahor, we can bring it for them. But then the question is, Mechusar Kippurim Nami, what about a Mechusar Kippurim? Rav agreed that if the person has to bring, let's say, certain korbanot, he was a zav or a mitzorah, and he's about to bring the korbanot that are going to make him tahor, but, and by that night he'll be tahor, he's about to bring those korbanot, he, you can bring the korban pesach for him even if he didn't bring those korbanot yet. Why? You're telling me that if he has something he needs to do, then, he, then we can't bring the korban pesach for him. So it says, okay, so it says, okay that, that too. Ham mechusar kapara shekino biyado. We're talking about the Mechusar Kippurim who has his birds with him. In other words, he's ready to bring it. So he's, he's at the end of the process. Okay, but Tamei Nami, Harei Mikveh Lefanav. But the person who became Tamei from a dead Sheretz also can go to the Mikveh. What's the problem? So bring the Koran Pesach for him. Ten minutes later, he'll go to the Mikveh. What's the problem? Dilma Pasha. Maybe he won't do it. He won't go to the Mikveh. Iachi, Mechusar Kippurim Nami, Dilma Pasha. So say the same thing about Mechusar Kippurim. In other words, once you say that the person's activity may not happen, the sun will go down whether or not you like it, but the uh, person's activity might not happen. So you could say that about Mechusar Kippurim who has to bring a korban. You could say that about the guy who has to go to the mikveh. It doesn't make a difference. The answer is that it, we're talking about where the Mechusar Kippurim, he can only bring the korban Pesach if he already handed over his korbanot to be done to the Betin. Because Rav Shemaya said, Damar chazaka in Betin shokwanim omdin mishan ad shikhlu ma'ot shebeshofarot. We know that each day, the Kohanim would not go home for that day unless all the Mechusrei Kippur, all of the people who were the Mechusrei Kippurim that left their... Uh, left their uh, uh, money to be brought for whatever purification korbanot were there, they are not going to go home until all of them are done. So there's no question of uh, pesha, that it's not going to be done by, uh, you know, neglect. It's going to be done. Once you put your money or you deliver whatever it is you're going to deliver to the Beit HaMikdash for them to do it on your behalf, you sign the paperwork or whatever, you're done. You don't have to worry about it now. So even though physically the, your korban might not have been done yet, you know for sure it will be done, and therefore you can bring your you can have your korban pesach brought. So you're saying that really, according to Rav, then the concern is really biblically, you should be able to bring a korban pesach even though you are tamesheretz. It's really only the rabbis. The rabbis are concerned that maybe you will not. Uh, end up going to the mikveh. If you gave your korbanot to the Beit HaMikdash, you know that they're going to take care of it, but maybe you won't go to the mikveh. So really, you could bring the korban pesach, have the korban pesach brought for you when you were in a state of tum'ah, even though you didn't go to the mikveh yet, because, uh, because you probably will. But we're being strict on you. Okay? But but didn't we learn just a couple of dapim ago that if exactly 50% of the Jewish people are tamay, and exactly 50% are tahor. So you have a problem. You don't have a majority either way. He said, take one guy, make him a tamesheretz. That way every, that way you have 51% and you can now, uh, everyone can bring uh, korban pesach betum'ah. That's what he said. That, that would be the best thing. So he said, El, so th- that shows you that what? 
biblically, that person is disqualified from bringing a Korban Pesach. Because if they could just go to the mikveh now and they could just, uh, and, and really technically uh, they could have the Korban Pesach brought on their behalf because they could just go to the mikveh later. So what did you accomplish by making the guy Tamei Sheretz? Rather, A person who's a Tamei Sheretz biblically cannot bring his Korban, uh, have his Korban Pesach brought that day. Because, because it says if a person is Tamei Lanefesh, because it says about that, the way that they're interpreting that pasuk, when it talks about a person who's tamel nefesh, it means even though his seventh day of Tumat Met is that day, still he cannot do the Korban Pesach that night. Even though Erev Pesach is the seventh day. Just like a Tamei Sheretz. A person who was fully Tamei that day cannot do the Korban Pesach at night. So he would differentiate between that and Mechusar Kippurim. Mechusar Kippurim is a person who already is completely Tawar. They just didn't bring their Korbanot yet. They just didn't bring Korbanot yet. That's different. Right? But he'll say a person who was Tamei that day cannot bring the Korban Pesach. Now there's a big Machlok at Rishonim whether that means only up till he did Tevilah or not. Many Rishonim say that this whole thing means if he, they can't bring the Korban Pesach on his behalf unless he did his Tevilah or he did his Para Aduma. Then they could, right? That, that, then they could, but this is talking about when he hasn't done that. Up till the moment he's done that, if even if they bring the Korban Pesach on his behalf, it will be invalid because at that moment he hasn't gone to the mikveh yet. At that moment he hasn't had the Paraduma yet. The Rambam though actually is strict about this and he says Tumatmet, with regard to Tumatmet, if the person is on the seventh day of their Tumatmet, even if they had Paraduma that day, they can't eat the Korban Pesach that night. Very interesting. He says it's Xerat HaKatuf. But let's just assume we're talking about the guy didn't go to the mikveh yet, didn't do his Paraduma yet, just to make it simple. Okay, right, so, and, and maybe you'll say, how do we know that this is the case? Okay, that really, uh, how do you know that it was their seventh day, right? Uh, that, that we're talking about here. And then we're, we're not talking about uh, uh, the middle of the Tumat Met. How do you know we're talking about the end of it, right? He says, how do you know that that's the case? Um, so it says, because that, that, uh, Rabbi Yitzchak, he holds like Rabbi Yitzchak, Damart me'emet mitzvah hayu, shechashvi shalayim liyot berev ha-pesach, shenemar velo yachlu lasot ha-pesach bayom ahu, bayom ahu, because he interprets the Pasuk in, in, that it says in Baalot that the people who wanted to do Korban Pesach and could not and got put, pushed off to Pesach Sheni weren't able to do it on that day. Meaning it was actually their last day of, uh, of Tum'ah and yet they still were pushed off to Pesach Sheni. And the Torah says, you still have to wait till the next one. So you see from that, now again, according to the according to some Mefarshim, this means only if they didn't do the para aduma yet at the time that the korban pesach was brought, or they didn't go to the mikveh yet at the time that it was brought. According to others, it means even if that day they were in a state of tumat meit, even though they did the para aduma that day, they wouldn't be able to eat the korban pesach that night. Now, Tanan, we learned in our mishnah zav shalash teuriot shochtin lav shvi'i that the, he, on the seventh clean day they can do the korban pesach frame. So my lav de la tavil ushma mina shochtin zokin al tameisheret. Doesn't it mean that he he didn't go to the mikveh yet? It's just his seventh. Day, and he's still allowed to bring the Korban Pesach even though he can go to the Mikveh. Right, so we're trying to still um, go against Rav here. So it says, Lo, did Tavil. We're talking about where he did go to the Mikveh. E Tavil, my Kamash Malan. 
if he went to the mikveh, so what's the big, why are you telling me that? So then obviously it would be fine. It's coming to tell you that even though he went to the mikveh, you might have thought that it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be good because he still needs to wait for nightfall. If he wanted to eat the Korban Pesach at the moment it was being brought, it wouldn't be good because he didn't wait for nightfall yet. Answer is, it's okay because nightfall is going to come automatically. It makes sense. Because it says if he saw three riyot of ziva, so he had to wait till the eighth day when he's mechusar kipurim to bring his korbanot. You can do it on the eighth day. Right? If you're talking about, if you assume that when the Mishnah said that the zav could bring his korban Pesach in the afternoon when he went to the mikveh, so it's tarikh, so then it's necessary because because you might have thought that, that the reason why you need both cases is because on the seventh day he went to the mikveh, but maybe on the eighth day where he hasn't brought his korbanot yet, you might think that he can't bring the korban, have the korban Pesach brought for him because he has more to do. So so it's coming to tell you that even though he hasn't brought his korbanot, he has to bring korbanot to become fully pure. Still, they can bring the korban pesach for him. But if you're going to tell me that the case where he saw only two uh, uh, ziva uh, sightings, and therefore the seventh day is going to become pure at night, as long as he went to the mikvah on the seventh day, by the night time he'll be pure. So. If you're going to tell me that you're allowed to do the Korban Pesach for him even before he went to the mikveh, so then cer- certainly it should be obvious that in, a person who already went to the mikveh on the seventh day and he just has to bring his korbanot the next day, certainly he's barely tamay. He's not really tamay. He just has to bring korbanot. Certainly you should be able to bring korban Pesach for him on the eighth day before he brought those korbanot because he already went to the mikveh on the seventh day. We must say that when was it saying that the, that the Zav can have the korban Pesach brought for him on the seventh day? It means that he went to the mikveh already. He did everything he needed to do. Right, and yet you still have to know that on the eighth day, um, when he when he didn't bring his korbanot, that he could still you can do the korban pesach for him, right? But if so, it's saying he went to the mikveh already. So then it says, Lo leolam tavil. It could be that you could bring the korban pesach for him even before he went to the mikveh. The only thing is, v'tarich sarkadat achamina b'shvihu de biadol liteken about b'shminit en biadol akriv korban ema pashe bekoani. You might actually maybe not true, maybe. On the seventh day, you could actually bring the korban the korban pesach for him even before uh, even before the uh, he he went to the mikveh. The only thing is because that's in his control. He can go to the mikveh now, and we we, we expect him to go. Okay, but when it comes to mechusar kippurim, you might say it's worse. You might say that mechusar kippurim is still a chidush. Because there it's not in his hands to do it. He hands it over to the Kohanim. Maybe they won't do it. And so since it's out of his control, maybe that situation is worse and we shouldn't bring the Korban Pesach for him when he's Mechusar Kippurim. The answer is no. That's why we need Rav Shemaya's statement that, um, that the Korban, that we assume, we rely on the Kohanim, that they're going to do their job, they're going to fulfill the mitzvah, and that whatever uh, korbanot have to be brought for that, they're going to be brought by, before the end of the day, and he'll be taken care of. And so but I think so, since we've already run later, we'll, we'll conclude here, we'll pick up here, Bezrat Hashem on Shabbat, 
and uh, hopefully get to the end of the uh, following daf uh, tomorrow. We should be able to do.